0: Janet Reno, Janet Reno, be baby. believe that, believe so that. So plan, so plan we want to have a baby. In our town, we have a state attorney by the name of Janet Reno. She locks brothers up for not paying their child support. In your town, you may have someone just like her. Welcome to The 90s Sucked, a podcast about the 90s and how they sucked. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Chad Wild.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The 90s sucked
0: adam based on the times we're living in right now i think you can finally say the 90s were right you know what i
1: am by the end of this episode gonna admit the 90s for a very brief moment in time were indeed i but they mostly sucked eh. hey i'm adam todd brown by the way
0: i'm I'm chet wild talking to my brand new blue usb microphone
1: hey 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 they're not paying us take it easy pal
0: I said brand new blue USB mic. I just described the color and the type, not, not the... If people Google it, they're going to find it. I didn't drop the big blue, big blue Y name.
1: <laughs> no, you didn't.
0: <laughs>
1: I feel like we should explain the clip people heard at the beginning of the episode, which was what arguably has to be the only pro-Janet Reno rap song ever recorded. I didn't research that, but I'm going to take it, your word. Because she went on to be the nation's top cop. What was her role at the time? At the time of what we're talking about now? Yeah. She was a state attorney for Dade County. Of course. And we are talking about the two live crew obscenity trials. Chet, do you remember this at all?
0: I remember guys with kind of okay raps, Talking about dirty things like poppin' pussy.
1: Right. That was two live crew.
0: Yeah. All right. My memory worked.
1: You're being generous when you say kinda all right raps. That's, that's one of the fascinating things about this.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to shit on me for not being kind enough. It, this stuff does not hold up well. That's probably a better way of framing it.
1: It doesn't hold up well for a lot of reasons. The subject matter, the rapping technique... Like they weren't they weren't a super talented bunch in that way, but they worked in a genre of music that didn't necessarily value lyrics as much as rap music in New York or California at the time did. They were more about club music. And Two Live Crew was kind of the face of Miami bass music. In yeah, the and when you're when you're
0: fucked up on E or whatever they're doing in Miami, like the lyrics and the quality really don't matter that much.
1: Yeah, it's it's club music. It's dance music, basically. And that song that we listened to at the beginning of this episode, it is the thing that kicks off this series of court battles that the rap group 2Live crew had to defend themselves against in the early 90s. And uh, it's a fascinating story. And it ends up being what i would argue is one of the most important moments in american history
0: i mean it's a real music culture arts fork in the road for this country
1: yeah 100 percent. so i wanted to talk about it for that reason because obviously it's really important but also it was kind of a crisis that i would argue america as a whole mostly handled correctly
0: Yeah, America today would not handle it this well. No. They'd fuck it up big time.
1: And because it happened, I think, at the time that it did, when this country was legitimately a different place, this is a moment where we kind of all came together and all at once were like, fuck you, this is wrong. It should not be allowed to continue.
0: What's crazy here is one of the villains isn't even a Republican. It's fucking Al Gore's wife. Oh, yeah, Tipper Gore. Like the Dems would never be, take this position today. You
1: would hope, but this kind of thing, as it pertained to rap music, carried on pretty deep into the nineties among liberals also, because there was that famous episode of Oprah where she brought out all these rappers and just kind of chastised them for their lyrics.
0: I was just going to say any liberal under 50, especially any liberal under 50 who isn't white would not let this fly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's probably a better way to put it.
0: Old school Dems, fuck them. Vote them all out.
1: Yeah, or elect one president. But let's not get off track. So one fun feature of this story, really interesting cast of characters. There's some villains. You already mentioned Tipper Gore. Also Jack Thompson, which is a name gamers will definitely recognize, if nothing else. The Broward County Police. Can you believe the police are villains in this, chat?
0: the bcp no kidding
1: they always struck me as such a such a level-headed bunch roward county also the estate of roy orbison kind of a villain in this
0: the estate not roy no don't speak ill of him
1: yeah no roy orbison was dead by this point roy orbison was cool and then there's the heroes two live crew bruce springsteen janet reno and the united states supreme court aside from springsteen and two live crew I feel weird listing off that that list as heroes.
0: Janet Reno's I Oh, uh,
1: have you did we you were on the Waco episode that we did, right?
0: Laura or somebody filled in for me on that one. Oh,
1: maybe. Yeah, Janet Reno's a whole problem as it pertains to Waco and But in today's Ruby Ridge. story,
0: she's not.
1: But in today's story, she's great. But first we should For people listening, like, it's no given that everyone listening to this knows and remembers Two live crew. They were a pioneering rap group of the 80s and 90s, and their main claim to fame was that their lyrics were goddamn filthy. Like, their first kind of major hit was a song called We Want Some Pussy, which was... Which was far more shocking at the time. This song came out in 1986. And it's really kind of just them shouting, we want some pussy over and over. There's some rock guitar going on. So,
0: that's too live crew. If people... No song has Don't ever remember. made me want pussy less than that <laughs> right there.
1: <laughs> but it was, at the time, like this was, I was listening to rap music by this point as a youth, and I had just not ever heard anything like this. So I was really drawn to to live crew. I was, I was a fan early on, before even all of this shit that brings them to national attention happened fun bit of trivia they are always credited with being these pioneers in the miami rap scene and they are but the group originated in riverside california and i did not know that
0: everyone knows that <laughs> not jeopardy
1: yeah that that would be a tough jeopardy question everyone would answer miami and nope founded in riverside but one of their early singles took off in miami And Luther Campbell, Luke Skywalker, Uncle Luke, whatever you want to call him, was a local DJ and promoter in Miami at the time. And when the song became popular, he invited them to relocate to Miami. I don't know if that's standard music business practice.
0: I can't believe he got away with going by Luke Skywalker. Oh, he did not. Okay, that's a a different legal uh, (laughs) issue for another episode.
1: I don't have it in the notes, but that was also very much a point of contention early in Two Live Crew's career, and he didn't fucking win that one. Mm -hmm. Like, all he did to change his name was add an extra Y in Skywalker.
0: That's not how it works.
1: (laughs) Not at all. What they should have done was put him in some goddamn Star Wars movies.
0: I don't know... How much crossover appeal that would have really drawn to the theaters? There would have been some.
1: I would have been into it. That's all that really matters. You're already
0: going to Star Wars, you fucking nerd. There
1: were no Star Wars movies at this point.
0: Oh, yeah, because this was post-Episode 3, pre... Yeah,
1: we were still years away from getting new Star Wars movies. So no, I wasn't, Chet. Shut up.
0: They did that thing in the early to mid-90s where they re-released each of the Star Wars movies in the theaters with like new footage
1: oh that's right and i think i fucked with that who knows
0: so either
1: way two live crew whether i whether i was watching star wars at the time or not
0: very important detail
1: yeah two live crew they were really important to the miami rap scene luke skywalker joins the group when they move to miami and uh at least for a little while they are the face of miami bass music Lots of focus on the music, especially the bass. Not so much on the lyrics, as we discussed.
0: Mouth bass, baby.
1: Not that kind of bass, Chet. It's more drum machine bass, the kind of bass you probably don't
0: like. You can still mouth bass that shit.
1: Boom, 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 boom. But I love this shit when I was a kid. This also happened at a weird point where my dad, for some reason, was way into rap music. And he would like drive me on my... I had a massive paper route as a kid that like no child could actually walk to handle. So my dad would drive me on this paper route. And we would listen to two live crew, loud as shit, at like 6 in the morning, delivering people's newspapers. Good times. Was it uh, We Want Some Pussy? Yes, actually. And Throw That D.
0: Oh, man, that's got to be awkward. I mean, yeah, it was. <laughs> Do you recall, did Beavis and Butthead cover two live crew? I think that would have been my first exposure to them.
1: I think so, because the Me So Horny video was so huge.
0: Yeah, okay. That would have definitely been my first exposure to them as a kid.
1: Talk about a song that hasn't aged well. Oof.
0: Ugh. <laughs> we'll get to More it. More like hasn't Asianed well. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Does sound effects work? All right.
1: <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. Here's how much I was into two live crew as a child. I walked two miles to buy the album that is at the center of this episode, which is called "As Nasty as They Want to Be." And I paid for it with a bunch of quarters that I carried in a Crown royal bag, because that's how I collected the money on my paper route. I would This This was back when you had to go door-to-door, right on the pedophilia front lines, and ask people to give you cash to pay for their newspaper subscription every month. What a crazy time. Then you gave what you owed the newspaper company, you gave them their cut, you got to keep the rest. And I would collect my money in a Crown Royal bag because I was a degenerate child. What's the commission on that? I did all right. I would... There were weeks where I would make like a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks.
0: But like what percentage do you have to pay back to the paper? I don't
1: remember. It wasn't unreasonable though. It was a lot of fucking work. But these two live crew albums weren't gonna buy themselves, baby. <laughs> uh, I always found I wanna call him Luke Skywalker, and I'm just going to because that's what that's what he was calling himself when I was most uh, when two live crew was most in my wheelhouse, so from here on out, even when it pertains to legal matters we 're calling him Luke Skywalker, but his real name 's Luther Campbell. I always found his role in this group really interesting because he 's kind of just the hype man he doesn 't he was never a rapper he didn 't make any of the music, he was like the flavor flavor of the group, but also undeniably the leader of the group, and he becomes the face of this controversy that erupts around two live crew and he's also just kind of a controversial figure in miami in general like he's a really prominent figure there i know he his name has come up a lot in like college football scandals because the university of miami is notoriously uh, scandal ridden when it comes to ncaa violations and i know there have been stories about like prospects hanging out in hot tubs with Luke Campbell. Sorry, Luke Skywalker. So he's an interesting guy. He's kind of the the face of the group and when all of this happens he becomes the face of this situation. So, let's talk about those legal troubles. You mentioned Tipper Gore earlier and it kind of starts there.
0: Yeah, in the mid-80s, a bunch of prominent DC house, housewives were horrified to find that they purchased Prince's Purple Rain. Never heard of it. Uh, that album for their kids. And they never uh, actually bothered to see what that album was all about.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that's on it, Darling Nikki. You ever heard that song, Chet?
0: That's the one about the the girl touching her clitoris. <laughs> Flicking
1: the bean.
0: Clitoris.
1: <laughs> it's a dirty, dirty song.
0: Say clitoris or clitoris.
1: I, it's a debate I stay out of altogether I make up my own name for it
0: uh flicking the bean
1: if you've ever seen any footage of Frank Zappa testifying in front of the Senate about obscenity and music
0: or Dee snyder
1: yeah that all came from Tipper Gore's campaign which started like you said when a bunch of housewives inadvertently well not inadvertently on purpose bought the Purple Rain album for their children and then realized it is a little bit raunchy, which is just bad parenting. But, of course, they decided to turn it into a crusade against the artist in question.
0: If it's any consolation, Al Gore did eventually come to his senses and get divorced a couple of decades later. Yeah, it's It's
1: always been interesting to me that this was a Democrat thing.
0: Because it just doesn't seem in line with, at least through today's lens.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. We're looking at it through today's lens, which way way different
0: yeah now we gotta grab them by the pussy president yeah exactly
1: so tipper gore goes on to start something called the parents music resource center their group is the reason every album that has a curse word on it has a parental advisory label which really just sold more albums
0: i remember spencer's gift uh spencer's gifts would literally sell posters of just the parental advisory uh sticker
1: yeah one of our early unpop shirts is just the parental advisory sticker but it says unpopular opinion shout out to randall maynard for designing that shout out randall so two live cruise problems sort of start there the, what happens to them is kind of an extension of those obscenity wars that happened in the 80s but not really it's more like the spiritual extension But by the time they ended up in court, the PMRC was on its way to being dissolved, basically. And everyone hated them. The PMRC, not 2 Live Crew. But 2 Live Crew's problems start with another famous censorship villain, a guy named Jack Thompson. What that guy? And the gamers go wild anyone who has ever been equated with a columbine shooter for playing a violent video game knows who jack thompson is he is an outspoken advocate for censorship in media in general and he got his start as a lawyer in florida and his first feud was with this radio program called the neil rogers show he ends up convincing the fcc to find this show ten thousand dollars for airing a parody song called boys want sex in the morning chat should we listen to a little bit of that song
0: i mean only if we want sex in the morning oh
1: i got it muted hold on
0: <laughs> adam doesn't want sex in the morning Boys
1: want sex in the morning, sex in the morning, when I'm not my best. One. This is, I'm sex assuming, a parody morning, of some song that was pie, big in the 70s or 80s, right? Price,
0: yeah, uh, the original song was some, Women Want D in to get, the Morning.
1: Someone <laughs> to undertake, <laughs> someone to fall on, someone to crawl on, someone This is is by a band called Uncle Bonsai.
0: If I didn't listen to the lyrics, this is the exact style of music I would expect a person named Neil Rogers to play. Yeah, no no shit. So that's kind
1: of where the problem starts with 2 Live Crew because Jack Thompson files this complaint with the FCC over Neil Rogers playing Boys Want Sex in the Morning and... In 1987, Jack Thompson and the station reached this agreement that in part said the station would stop mentioning his name on the air. And the Neil Rogers show very much did not stop mentioning his name. So what Jack Thompson did was for the next eight months recorded every episode of the Neil Rogers show and documented 40,000 instances of them mentioning his name.
0: Okay, let me do the math here. So, let's say they do 20 shows a month. That's
1: a morning radio show, so yeah, probably 20.
0: So, 40,000 mentions divided by 160 shows, 250 mentions a show? That seems absurd.
1: Yeah, that's a whole lot.
0: That is. But also,
1: yeah, that no no matter how you shake it. <laughs> that's a whole lot. Because I was going to say, with it being a morning show, they probably record for like four hours.
0: But even four hours, that's more than one mention a minute. (laughs) 1.25 mentions a minute.
1: Maybe there were other, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say maybe there were other shows, but no, because he ends up filing a $200 million lawsuit against Neil Rogers for this. Because that agreement that they signed in 87 said he would be paid $5,000 every time they mentioned his name.
0: I don't care if it was a bit or not. I don't think I could listen to any radio show that said that guy's name that many times.
1: Yeah, that's that's excessive. Like, were they still playing music, or were they just just saying his name repeatedly?
0: Repeat, yeah, just Jack a record Thompson, player spinning. Jack Thompson,
1: Jack Thompson. What if it was all backwards? Um, so Jack Thompson takes this complaint to Dade County State Attorney Janet Reno. And Janet Reno refuses to prosecute Neil Rogers and refuses to take this case up. So now Jack Thompson is obsessed with Janet Reno to the point that he decides to challenge her in the upcoming election for the Dade County state attorney seat.
0: Good luck, buddy. And he ends up losing. Chet, Chet. This is where I'm I don't believe your research anymore. Chet. 40,000 things all that slip. There's no way this is true.
1: Guess how much of the vote Janet Reno got in that election, Chet.
0: Well, I bet he got 31% of the vote. You're you're damn right, Chet, because
1: she got sixty-nine percent
0: of the vote. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm scaring Cagney
1: the studio audience goes wild it's irresponsible as shit that we're recording with a studio audience but i like the sound of those applause baby so this unbelievably enough is the point where two live crew lands on jack thompson's radar because in the midst of that campaign where he ran against janet reno luke skywalker on his record label releases called
0: what (laughs) what which is called what
1: I think it's called Luke Skywalker Records.
0: <laughs> Idiot.
1: <laughs> he releases the song that we played at the beginning of this episode, which is a song called Janet Reno by a female rap group that was signed to his label called Anquet. And the thing about Janet Reno at the time, her main campaign platform was making dudes pay child support. And The residents of Miami, especially poor people, fucking loved her for it. And that is how the world ends up with its one and only pro-Janet Reno rap song, which we played at the beginning of the episode. And Jack Thompson didn't like that one bit. Not only did he lose, but one of Miami's most prominent residents released a rap song supporting his opponent, in the middle of all that, so now Two Live Crew ends up on Jack Thompson's radar. So his campaign against them all starts on New Year's Day
0: in nineteen ninety, the first day of the nineties.
1: Right, that's how we're able to sneak this into this this podcast.
0: First day of the nineties was I
1: not for Two Live Crew. It wasn't because that's the day Jack Thompson fired off letters to both Florida Governor Bob Martinez and Dade County State Attorney Janet Reno demanding that they investigate two live crew for possible violations of obscenity and racketeering laws over the album as nasty as they want to be.
0: That's how you know Jack Thompson is just a sad fucking lonely man. Think about it. December 31st, 1989, and the 80s. Everyone's fucking partying their mind out. You know, it's a New Year's Decade uh, celebration. And he was at home New Year's Eve while the balls dropping, putting a, the the printing out the drafts and putting final notes and rewrites on his fucking notes to governor and uh, <laughs> the state attorney. Yeah, this guy's
1: a huge fucking bummer. Like this is his entire life is yelling at people for enjoying things that sometimes involve violence and obscenity. Like he is the moral police.
0: Then again, he does. He is pointing out that he. Uh, takes issues that, you know, the album is offensive and the album does have me so horny on it. So in a way, maybe he was a little ahead of his time. Well, that's what
1: makes this such an important free speech case because we finally get to take that argument that, well, free speech, sometimes you you have to defend some unsavory characters. And in almost every case, that ends up being a racist or a Nazi but this time it's it's two live crew, baby. Like that's that's way easier to stand behind than a fucking Nazi or a racist. But it makes the same argument. It's still as much of a defense of free speech because yeah, they their music was very derogatory toward women. And we just want some pussy. <laughs> we just want some pussy. Is that so bad? <laughs> But at the same time, you can't apply, which this ends up being argued in one of the court cases, you can't apply white people's sensibilities to black entertainment. Like, that really becomes the crux of the issue here, because this album sold 2 million copies, and it sold those copies, like, there was a point in the late 80s and early 90s when... Rap albums were going platinum left and right, and it wasn't like it is now where it's a lot of white people buying rap music it that wasn't the case like they were selling like this sold two million albums eventually, but I bet they sold a good five hundred thousand of those before anyone knew there was any kind of controversy but it just it doesn't work that way you can't you can't be a white mom until the black youth of America, what they should and shouldn't be listening to.
0: Don't try telling a white mom that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the whole thing. She's going to ask to speak to that fucking manager. And there's no denying that this was problematic stuff, especially now. But back then, I mean, this is Andrew Dice Clay is huge. Too Short had a bunch of albums out by then. Like they weren't alone in being particularly raunchy entertainers
0: sam kennison
1: yeah but they just happened to cross jack thompson at a point when he had his panties in a bunch so now they become kind of the face of misogyny in rap music and we just we mentioned me so horny here's the thing that does not hold up well it's it is an undeniable banger but also that sample which i think is from full metal jacket and the sample i'm referring to is the woman going me so horny like <laughs> that has not aged well whatsoever but i'm glad we got that line in before we faded it out but that's how free speech works like this was happening in broward county where i assure you there are countless strip clubs there are much more risque things happening in broward county all the time but somehow two live crew ends up in this guy's crosshairs and now freedom of speech is under attack So his next move, Jack Thompson's next move after he sends these letters off is he conducts all these sting operations where he goes into record stores with a 16 year old in tow and has the 16 year old buy a copy of as nasty as they want to be. He's
0: definitely molesting that 16 year old. Oh,
1: yeah. He probably kidnapped the kid.
0: He's dead now, right? Like, he's not going to sue me for saying this stuff.
1: Jack Thompson. Yeah. No, I don't think so.
0: Oh, never mind. I'm sure he didn't do such things. What an absurd accusation. <laughs> Where does he make money in this? Like
1: Oh yeah, he's younger than my mom. He's still totally alive. Where does he make money? He writes books. He presumably hits the conservative Christian lecture circuit and talks about the devil in modern music and NVIDIA games and things like that. Like he's a he's a crusader. There's always someone wanting to hear a bullshit message like his and he's still out there doing it. so watch what you say, Chet.
0: yeah, I apologize
1: uh so his next move he he organizes all of these like sting operations meant to to catch people selling this two live crew album to minors and none of the parents of the teens that he involves in this even allow them to testify. so that all ends up being kind of all for naught over time his letter campaign extends to the sheriff's department in conservative lee county where a judge there ruled the album as nasty as they want to be obscene and that was the first he then sent letters to 67 more sheriff's departments and every state governor do you have anything to add to this chet
0: he actually sent two more but they got lost in the mail
1: oh so how many letters did he send in total
0: 69 Oh man, like two people in a sex position. Oh man. With their mouths on their goodies.
1: Oh, that was crazy. (laughs) Crazy. So once that happens, once that one judge decides this is obscene, it starts happening all over the country. What happens is someone will get one of these letters, be it someone at the sheriff's department, a governor, someone. And they'll go to a judge and go, hey, is what this guy's saying true? Does this album really uh, rise to the level of being obscene and something we shouldn't sell? And depending on how conservative that judge was, sometimes they would say yes. And the most important place where this happens is Broward County, June 1990. That's where Miami is. That's where Fort Lauderdale is. It's where two live crews base of operations are and in june of 1990 the broward county court rules that as nasty as they want to be is indeed obscene and should not be sold
0: fucking bullshit
1: this is from the u.s district judge jose gonzalez jr in the broward county ruling this is a quote from him it cannot be reasonably argued that the violence perversion abuse of women Graphic depictions of all forms of sexual conduct and microscopic description of human genitalia contained on this recording are comedic art. What's
0: microscopic description of human genitalia?
1: They're like describing it in detail is what he means. Uh. Come on, chat, keep up. So that cleared the way for people to possibly be arrested for selling, playing, or performing material from this album in any way talk about a challenge to free speech
0: that's what it came down to quite literally it
1: very literally comes down to that a few days after broward county issues this ruling in june 1990 charles freeman the 32 year old owner of ec records
0: not a free man for long oh i don't get it what do you mean because of his last name and then he's going to get arrested spoiler alert oh right 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 i get it i get it oh you really didn't get it come on adam
1: no i did yeah nothing nothing it's a quarantine my brain's not working ec records was a small music store in fort lauderdale florida he was led away in handcuffs by six broward county police officers for selling a copy of as nasty as they want to be
0: let me guess this guy's skin color isn't white because otherwise there wouldn't be six cops all chomping at the bit to be like, I got to get my hands on this guy because I'm a racist motherfucker. Uh,
1: two things. One, you're absolutely correct. No one who was ever arrested or charged with anything in this crusade was white. This was very much the, co- the, the government cracking down on black people,
0: if you can believe it. Get out of town. In the South especially, come on.
1: Two, because you love to do this to me, it's actually champing at the bit not chomping. No, it's
0: chomping at the bit.
1: No, it's champing. So here's a quote from Charles Freeman from back around when this happened. How can they arrest me for selling two live crew and not arrest me for selling Andrew Dice Clay? Great question. I wonder what the difference is.
0: Andrew Dice Clay is white.
1: Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, I got it. You nailed it. So Freeman as it turned out had been very public about how he was not going to obey any order to stop selling this album.
0: Yeah. I mean, media was basically camping out there for weeks. So this was, this was a storm of brewing. He was basically daring people to arrest him, not to say he should have been arrested, but he's like, bring it the fuck up.
1: Right. And good for him. Like someone like him needed to emerge in all this. And this was another quote from him. I'm not going for Censorship america is free as long as this is america and i'm not living in cuba i feel my rights have been violated and uh yeah a a few days after this ruling was ordered or ruling was issued police showed up they sent a guy in to buy a copy of as nasty as they want to be and at the time charles freeman was doing a tv interview with a local news outlet and the guy bought the tape and charles freeman was like hey say something to the cameras show a little support and the guy was like nah and just went to the door made a little hand gesture police came in and arrested charles freeman for selling the tape but two things one even at this point america lost their shit
0: which it's almost as if fox news didn't exist yet
1: yeah that's that's kind of the thing we didn't have a bunch of republicans who could immediately jump on their own media channel and say how laws are laws and they, he broke the law he deserves to be arrested and then half the country just goes oh yeah yeah i guess i guess that's the point that's that's the viewpoint i'll take also yeah we didn't have any of that so america was just mad they were just mad when this happened and it got worse because a few days after freeman was arrested two members of two live crew luke campbell and chris wongwan were arrested for performing songs from as nasty as they want to be that's crazy
0: wait where, where were the other members not there well what happened is
1: the police didn't want to cause a big public scene so they waited until the show was over and this was at club futura in hollywood florida which is in broward county
0: I would welcome that i would love to get arrested just to remove myself from a nightclub in fort lauderdale
1: (laughs) and the thing is they waited till the show was over which was like two o'clock in the morning and two of the members of the group managed to get away and only luke campbell and chris Wong wong were still backstage so they were the two that were arrested eventually the second rapper in the group i think was charged also like they issued a warrant for him. I don't think the DJ was arrested, probably because he was just playing music. Who knows? Wild detail about this. This was an adults-only show. So it's not like 2 Live Crew was performing Pop That Pussy for a bunch of children. This was arguably less than what you would see at any strip club. There just happened to be black men having fun on stage. And that was ruled obscene and motherfuckers were arrested for it. That's nuts. Bullshit. This is a quote from Broward County Sheriff Nick Navarro. There is no doubt that they violated a state statute. The lyrics have been declared obscene by a judge, whether you perform them on an album or at a concert.
0: Or on your mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Again, to America's credit, we were not happy with this shit at all.
0: Not happy about it now.
1: With the exception of the conservative faces who were pushing this crusade, the general public saw this for what it was, which was a very blatant attack on free speech. And, you know, they were masking it under, oh, well, this is vulgar and obscene and bad for children. And it's like, yeah, it's still how free speech works. Sorry.
0: Also, like, maybe be a fucking parent and... You know, monitor what your kids consume.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Your seven-year-old isn't sneaking into the adults-only show. at fucking Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida's shit nightclub.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that it was an adults-only show is the scariest part of that. Because th- then you're getting into some Handmaid's Tale shit.
0: You gotta wait till 2020 for that to happen. Exactly.
1: That Yeah, that's the thing. They were just way ahead of their time in Broward <laughs> County. This would have totally worked right now. This is how consumed the public, including myself, because I was in high school when this all happened, and at one point I had a speech class in high school, and one of our assignments was to find a short story that we could, one, edit down to be kind of the length of a speech, I think like 10 minutes, and two, tie it to some event that was happening in the world at the time. And I ended up going with this story that was about a girl who went to a high school where everyone had to wear masks to hide their facial expressions. They weren't allowed to talk. Their thoughts were controlled, all of that shit. And eventually one day she takes off a mask, goes up to the roof, and starts uh, shooting people with a rifle.
0: Again, ahead of her time.
1: Very ahead of her time. And I think it's... And I tied all of that to the, the two live crew thing. And my teacher fucking loved it. Which, again, very indicative of how different the world was when this was happening. Like, now, if a kid did that, he would be probably arrested. Like, telling a... Like, bringing a school shooter story to school wouldn't happen. Nope. But, at the time, people were fine with it. So, in the middle of all this... Another hero emerges, and that hero is Bruce Springsteen,
0: the lead singer of Max Weinberg's band
1: yeah I, I I imagine that is how you see it Bruce springsteen for for people who don't know, is notorious for not letting people use his music. He, I think to this day has never allowed one of his songs to be used in a commercial. He's really selective about what movies
0: You can't fucking stand that Trump uses his, uh, born in the USA
1: yeah. He's very anti all of that. And in the middle of this controversy, Luke Skywalker starts promoting this song that's going to be coming out. It's a a new two live crew song that he says is going to address all this controversy. And he's like, by the way, it's called banned in the USA and it samples born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. So Jack Thompson sends a letter to Bruce Springsteen and his management And lays out the same case that he laid out whenever he would send letters to sheriffs or governors or whatever. And he's like, look, if you don't deny them permission to use your song, we're going to call you out publicly and say that you're supporting smut peddlers and things of the like. And Bruce Springsteen immediately gives Luke Skywalker permission (laughs) to (laughs) use Born in the USA.
0: Which, by the way, they butchered it. Oh, brutal. Oh, that's the
1: thing. Yeah, like at every stop, two live crews making terrible music.
0: <laughs> it's not like when Bone Thugs and Harmony asked Phil Collins, could they sample "Take Me Home"? Here, today, outstanding. outstanding. <laughs> that's that's the true. Miami
1: so yeah, this July is double banned in, in the, album, the USA. It's the. uh, It's actually kind of free speech. Like the the irony is, it's it's the tamest two live live crew song ever. Like it's it's just about about this court case. The video has a lot of clips of civil rights stuff.
0: These are the original
1: lyrics to Born in the USA. People don't even realize that. This is what Springsteen did on the demo.
0: Then he changed it. That's not true. So that was
1: banned in the USA. So that was cool of Springsteen to weigh in in that manner. You know what wasn't cool?
0: Uh, Jack Thompson.
1: No, Jack Thompson is not cool, but also Charles Freeman got convicted. Shut
0: the fuck up.
1: Uh, the trials of both Freeman and two live crews started in October 1990. Freeman's was first, and he was convicted.
0: No way he had a diverse jury. He had a jury. His jury was as white as Wonder Bread, guarantee.
1: Yeah, it's it's worth noting that, like we said before, every person who was arrested, because there were a couple other shop owners who were initially arrested and charged but none of their cases went as far as charles freeman's but every single person was black which uh so cue the acl saying at the time what's on everyone's mind who's listening to this right now we feel that this conviction demonstrates the problems inherent in using community standards in determining what is protected by the first amendment more than a million people have bought and enjoyed the album And here we have an all-white jury of six people in Broward County deciding what the rest of us should be able to see, hear, and enjoy. We feel the conviction totally undermines the core value of the First Amendment that even the most offensive expression deserves protection.
0: They didn't even use the C word, right? Who? What? You Live Crew. I'm just saying even the most offensive expression. They weren't saying we want some cunt. Oh, I bet they did though. Give me a cunt dinger.
1: I don't have the cunt dinger on the soundboard. I'm sorry. (laughs) So when this all happened, the recording industry association of America, R I a a pledged to help Charles Freeman with his appeal, both financially and otherwise, except it seems like that did not happen because by June, 1991, Freeman was so behind on rent, he was forced to close EC records and had racked up $60,000 in credit card debt. A month later, he was arrested for selling cocaine and in March 1992 was sentenced to 18 years in prison. He was the only person who actually faced repercussions for any of
0: this. So he should have gotten out in 2010, right?
1: Yeah. Assuming he didn't die in prison, which he shouldn't have because he was young yeah he should be out now but We could
0: get him on the pod
1: yeah probably so a week after charles freeman gets convicted two live crew's trial starts so that must have seemed like a very bad sign at the time but you have to keep in mind two live crew had the one true equalizer that exists in the american criminal justice system
0: money money money
1: money, money exactly money and good fucking lawyers and it ended up that their main issue during this trial was convincing the jury which was way more diverse than the freeman jury but in no way was it filled with rap fans and especially not two live crew fans so yeah their main issue is convincing this jury that what two live crew is doing is art because if it has any artistic merit at all You can't rule it obscene by the letter of the law. And this is a quote from their attorney, Bruce
0: Ragow. This is not guitar music. This is not violin music. This is not piano music. But this is serious art, even though it may be different.
1: And this is Luke Campbell. It's like bringing people from Mars down to explain how we function here on Earth.
0: That's also how Elon Musk got his idea to go to Mars, bring us all together.
1: From the two live crew trials?
0: Yeah, I'm firing on no cylinders here. Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> so the jury in this trial ends up deliberating for two hours. Part of that included a break for lunch. <laughs> and they come back with a unanimous not guilty verdict.
0: Which, you know, like five minutes in, they're like, not guilty. But guys, wait. One more, that we I was, could get lunch.
1: I was thinking that exact same thing, that they were like, let's get at least a fucking free lunch out of this. <laughs> good for them
0: yeah that's what i do
1: these are some quotes from the jurors after the trial ended our first and strongest impression was that this is political that was juror helena bailey who was 76 years old at the time
0: another quote it's certainly not something i would want to see in the malls or out in the open but in a 21 year old club sure i took the whole thing as comedy and that's juror susan van hemert
1: Everyday people use those words. Maybe people ought to look at the obscenity law. That's juror David Garso. Smart. And the jurors in this case, again, were fairly representative of what public sentiment in general was towards this case, which was that this was a blatant attack on civil rights and the right to free speech and the right to say things you want to say as an entertainer, which was supposed to be protected and like this ends up being such a big deal it partly inspires the founding of the rock the vote movement can we listen to madonna's 1990 rock the vote ad
0: yes prior to the p diddy's vote or die campaign
1: this is in a career filled with cringeworthy moments this is uh up there in terms of madonna's biggest but just listen to the opening lines of her rap from this video.
0: Dr. King, Malcolm X, freedom of speech is as good as sex. Abe, Lincoln, Jefferson, Tom, they didn't need the atomic bomb. We need oh. we need art. We need, our, we <laughs> need <Yeah. them. laughs>
1: Jefferson Tom, they didn't need the atomic bomb. But that Dr. King, Malcolm X, freedom of speech is better than sex. That's that's a line. That's a line right
0: there. That is a line. I'll give you that much.
1: But the point is, people did not take kindly to the government attacking their fellow red-blooded Americans' right to rap about popping that pussy. And finally, in May of 1992, the U.S. 11th Circuit Court of Appeals in Atlanta overturned the 1990 obscenity ruling. They argued that no actual evidence was prevented in the previous trial to prove that as nasty as they want to be was without serious artistic value. According to a previous Supreme Court ruling, you had to prove that to prove obscenity. This is a quote from Luke Skywalker. What this does is let black folks know that the First Amendment really does apply to us. It says we can speak our minds the same way that white people do. This isn't just a victory for two live crew the entire music industry won big on this one except chet the legal troubles were not over you see in the midst of all this controversy two live crew released a clean version of as nasty as they want to be called as clean as they want to be and aside from being heavily censored The only difference between the two albums was that the clean version included an extra song, which was a parody of Oh, Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison.
0: This is arguably worse than the Madonna thing. This is
1: really, really bad times. I mean, it's fine so far. (laughs) But... Not even in two. <laughs> so you, you ah. Should we listen to all three you minutes and nineteen seconds of, of this?
0: Oh. Only if it's on repeat and we listen to it ten times.
1: Big hairy woman. Big, woman.
0: big hairy woman. <laughs> you know I bet it's tough. Big <laughs> hairy woman. All right. All so here's that was actually their second rap about Janet Reno. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, hey. Can't make these jokes. So
1: here's the problem. The group did ask for permission to parody that song, but the company that owned the publishing, Acuff Rose Music, denied the request. Uh again, Roy Orbison was dead by this point. He probably would have just said yes. Two Live Crew decided to release the song anyway, arguing that it constituted fair use.
0: Why? Because he's
1: dead? No. Are you familiar with how fair use works? Like, basically, the reason we can play that song on this podcast is fair use. Like, we're not playing the song to make it available for people to download, we're playing the song to demonstrate what the song is and because we're talking about it in a, a, a critical way. You can use portions of copyrighted works for educational reasons for criticism reasons for satire reasons like that's all covered under fair use and what two live crew was arguing was that this was parody or satire and that because of that they could use it and what's really interesting about this is arguably the more important of the two cases Because what's interesting is the courts had never taken up the issue of parody as it pertains to fair use. So this was kind of a a groundbreaking defense on Two Live Crew's part. And first, a federal appeals court disagreed and ruled that the blatantly commercial nature of the song precluded fair use. In other words, well, you're making money on it, so that's not fair use. Eventually, it ends up in the hands of the goddamn Supreme Court. Once again, this becomes a huge issue, especially among people who make a living through parody and satire, like comedians, for example. The Supreme Court, in the run-up to this case, received what are called friend-of-the-court briefs on 2 Live Crew's behalf, which means some outside party fired off a brief to the court in defense of 2 Live Crew. And they received those briefs from both Mad Magazine and the Harvard Lampoon, also political satirist Mark Russell. Also, the Capitol Steps, which is a DC-based musical group that performs topical political parodies, sent the court a tape on which they performed a musical history of parody in America dating back to the revolution. God, I bet you'd love to hear that,
0: Chet i guarantee that well i won't guarantee but they got to be acapella right oh almost certainly the capital steps that's an acapella name if i've ever heard one yeah they
1: got to be i looked for this clip and i couldn't find it and meanwhile acuff rose was supported by friend of the court briefs from the songwriters guild and michael jackson which just furthers my unprovable hunch that michael jackson was a fucking cop but i don't want to get sidetracked the supreme court Again, sided with two live crew ruling that the song, quote, can be taken as a comment on the naivety of the original of an earlier day as a rejection of its sentiment that ignores the ugliness of street life and the debasement that it signifies. Oh,
0: man. I mean, I think this was before uh, RGB's appointment, but can you just imagine like Ruth Bader Ginsburg or whoever on the Supreme Court sitting down and listening to this?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like throughout this whole trial, it's just really straight laced people having to listen to Two Live Crew over and over and over again.
0: Brett Kavanaugh listening to We Want Pussy, <laughs> just being like, "Make it about beer." <laughs> and yeah, like it's hard to put into words how how huge
1: these two cases were. In both cases, had Two Live Crew lost, it would have set precedents that would have impacted entertainers' ability to say and do a whole lot of things for a long long time and it's the kind of thing that yeah it would start with entertainers but then how far would that have extended would it have gone on to dissidents and people who criticize the government and people who spread conspiracy theories it seems like it might still get there but as much as i shit on the 90s again it really is commendable that we vehemently rejected this shit when it happened. That is right. Even though it was just happening to a foul mouth rap group from Miami. And yeah, I'd argue that if this happened today, it would go a whole other way because you would have that Fox news influence jumping in on behalf of the Broward County Sheriff's department to remind their viewers that laws are laws and they violated the laws. So this is fine. And a whole half of the country would cheer while we just got a little more of our freedom stripped away. So I'm glad it happened when it did. It happened during those few brief years in the '90s when America fucking got it.
0: Because The '90s were aight. Uh,
1: no, the '90s sucked. I mean, this still what? happened. Come on. This still happened in the '90s.
0: I I could be outdoors and be as, or indoors and be as. Close to as many people as I wanted. It was good times.
1: Well, that was January.
0: <laughs>
1: Remember January? Oh, man.
0: Wow. Yeah. Bring back January.
1: And the world was full of hope and promise. I started taking a bunch of vitamin D in January. I feel like that paid off. Uh. So, yeah, that's our episode. That is the obscenity trials of 2 Live Crew. Again, I argue one of the most important moments in american history very underrated in that way like this was a big deal it was a big threat to our freedom
0: yeah i had no idea that that was a thing so thank you for educating me
1: yeah i didn't realize it was as far reaching as it was it's a it's it it kind of reminds me of the anna nicole smith lawsuits over j howard marshall ii's money those end up setting all sorts of precedents in bankruptcy court and all sorts of other areas and this was the same thing it seemed like just a wacky celebrity lawsuit that had it gone another way this country would be a whole lot different right now and i feel like we run the risk of getting there anyway so stay strong america i guess you know (laughs)
0: Do your best. Yeah, that's a much better ending. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do your best, America.
0: <laughs> What's left of it?
1: Chat, do we have anything to plug?
0: Uh all of this stuff, uh, world events made me get back on Twitter. So I am on there again at Chet Wild, C H E T W I L D. Same with the grams. Nice. People have been asking for me to do uh open your mail podcast. I'm just throwing it out there.
1: Well do it. You got the you have the capacity
0: will you upload it to the unpops network so the audience gets their bone con
1: i will show you how to upload it to the unpops network so the audience gets their bone con i well, will not you show me it.
0: how to upload it i'll be uploading shit night and day
1: good yeah that's fine people are locked down they need all the con they can get
0: hey is that um discord still a thing yes i've logged in in months
1: uh yeah we check out get back on there Check out the discord. Uh, the link is in our Twitter bio. Uh, don't forget patreon.com slash unpops. Even if you can't subscribe, if you just want to throw us a dollar or two, so we can keep this thing running and I can give people money to do things. That would be fantastic. Beyond that,
0: people think it would be cheaper to do podcasts now. Cause like you don't need a studio and we don't need to drive to record, but it's actually going to take a lot more running money to run it now, given that the dollar is soon to be worthless.
1: Yeah, there's that. I'm also still paying for a studio that I can't use, so that's an expense.
0: But uh, yeah,
1: patreon.com unpops. We will keep you entertained while you are quarantined. We're still putting out the pods. Uh, and
0: entertained yeah. while you're quarantined. <laughs> ah, it kind of rhymes.
1: And uh, yeah, stay safe out there, America. You too, Chet.
0: Yeah, you can tell I haven't fucking been talking to anybody because I was not sharp at all for this.
1: Nah, you were great.
0: Getting, getting used to
1: human interaction again. No one's been talking to anybody.
0: I bought an Xbox, so my life is NHL 2K and NBA 2K.
1: Yeah, I've thought about buying a console of some sort. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, we can probably wrap this this podcast up.
0: Well, I got nowhere to go for at least the next couple months, seemingly.
1: But you do need to say goodbye, Chet.
0: Why? Because... I like that you're uploading older apps from the the original Cracked Office days. Those are some fun times. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. I'll be here for a couple months.